0: This is 891 WEMU, and I'm David Fair. While the United States and Canada share a border, they're miles apart when it comes to climate. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has promised that within a year, a national price on carbon will be implemented in Canada. Meanwhile, in the U.S., there's not even a consensus that a problem exists. In this month's edition of The Green Room, Barbara Lucas explores the policy and attitude chasm separating the neighboring countries. So all I'm trying to tell you is, the planet is way outside its comfort zone.
1: That's Bill McKibben, speaking at the University of Michigan. He founded 350.org a decade ago. Their goal is to build a global climate action movement.
0: So you need to be outside your comfort zone some too, okay? This is the challenge of our time.
1: It's been three decades since McKibben began writing books calling for action on the climate crisis. He says every era has a challenge.
0: For our parents or grandparents' time, it's they had to go off to Europe to fight fascism, and you know a huge number of them got killed. That's we don't have to make that kind of sacrifice, but we have to up our game considerably because we are losing the planet
1: on our watch. After an inspiring talk, audience members ask what they can do of course um, renew, you know moving to renewable energy
2: and um, preventing new pipelines and whatnot are hugely important um, but I think you know consumption obviously is playing a huge role in this
1: we have plastic water bottles and our clothes are made of polyester and all of these issues. And, I mean, how can we kind of collectively address the issue of consumption? Thank you very much for
0: asking that question.
1: McKibben tells her environmentalists, like himself, have focused a lot on consumer choices, like light bulbs, electric cars, local
0: food. Food from our little valley. These are all sweet things that I like and endorse and people should do.
1: But he says he's learned that's not the way we're going to deal with climate change.
0: We're so far behind the eight ball now. We're so far behind that mathematically, the only way we can deal with this is to have people come together in sufficient numbers to force changes in policy that have big, broad, rapid sweeping
1: effects on society. But McKibben isn't specific about what these changes should look like. Meanwhile, in Canada, things have gotten very specific with the new pan-Canadian framework on climate change, poised to implement sweeping policies. Here's Dr. Eric LaChapelle of the University of Montreal at U of M's Ford School of
2: Public Policy. But the one thing that has captured the attention of most people in Canada, and I'd say uh, internationally as well, is this commitment to a national carbon price.
1: Supporters say a rising price on fossil fuel will jumpstart the transition to cleaner forms of energy. They'll be used not just in our homes, but our farms and factories, and that will shrink the footprints of products throughout the economy, from food to
2: fabrics. Canada wants a common price across the country by 2018.
1: He says the framework requires provinces to collect a fee on fossil fuels at the source, the coal mine or oil well, or they must put a cap on fossil fuel emissions or a combination of both.
2: So that's why I say it's flexible in the sense of, we want a price, we don't care how you do it.
1: He says the fee rises gradually every year till 2022. So the economy has time to adjust. And crucial for buy-in, it's not a tax by the standard definition. La Chapelle says the central government doesn't pocket the money. The fees collected from fossil fuel providers go back to either the provincial governments or directly to the citizens.
2: Every dollar collected as part of carbon pricing in the different uh, carbon price jurisdictions will go back to, will remain in the jurisdiction with when they were collected.
1: The idea is, all things being equal, people are naturally inclined to go for the lower price. Because the lower price will have a lower footprint, our millions of individual decisions will add up, and our collective footprint will shrink. British Columbia has had such a system in place for nearly a decade. Emissions decreased while their economy improved. So why isn't the U.S. legislature working on a similar solution? Before his talk at U of M's law school, I spoke with Dr. Michael Mann. He's director of Penn State's Earth System Science Center. For decades, he's been sounding the alarm about the connection between global temperature rise and industrialization, with its exponential increase in burning of fossil fuels but it hasn't exactly advanced the situation as he had hoped.
3: Uh, We have a refusal um, by the party in power to even accept the fact that climate change is real and a problem and we have to get past that.
1: Dr. Mann does support the call for a price on carbon, but for his part he's focused on just trying to convince Americans of the need for climate action in general.
3: Often what sort of uh, appears to be denial of the science is actually just a proxy Um, for an underlying ideological opposition to, you know, regulation.
1: He says the situation is no
3: accident. Fossil fuel interest groups um, have intentionally created this sort of mythology that somehow acting to preserve our environment is a matter of taking away personal freedom. Uh, it's, It's not true. If anything, the impacts of climate change are what are going to infringe on personal freedoms.
1: Dr. Mann would love to move past debating science to solutions. When asked about his thoughts on how best to craft a carbon pricing policy, he's not specific.
3: Because there's a legitimate debate uh, to be had about how we go about solving this problem. What there isn't is uh, a legitimate reason to call into question that we have a problem.
1: Bill McKibben, in our interview before his presentation, says he proposed carbon pricing decades ago.
0: So I think that there's never been a good intellectual argument against pricing carbon i've spent 30 years now saying we need there's no reason that this should be the only thing on which there's not a price that you're allowed to produce for free that's why we produce so much of it it's as if you were allowed to um take the trash from your restaurant at the end of the night and just toss it in the middle of the street you know but we don't do that in a civilized world except for the fossil fuel industry
1: he calls the need to price carbon inarguable
0: and in fact pretty much every economist left right and center has said so for a long
1: time but mckibben says at this point the mess we're in calls for more than a market-driven solution He's pushing for fossil fuel divestment and pipeline shutdowns.
0: And we need people going to jail, and we need people on campuses pushing, and, you know, on and on and on.
1: So would you say, would it be correct to say that you don't believe markets can do it all? I don't,
0: I I think the thing that most needs to change is the zeitgeist here. I think that's always the prize for activists
1: he says our idea of what's normal, what makes sense, must change. And when that
0: happens, the policy parts get a little easier.
1: From the enthusiastic applause, it seems this audience is on board with McKibben. Shoulder, shoulder going forward. Thank you very much. But in mainstream America, obviously not so much. So how might this situation affect Canada? Back at the Ford School, here's Dr. LaChapelle.
2: To what extent can Canada have... A policy that is independent of the United States, and why is this such an issue? It's because of this notion, this the relationship between Canada and the United States, the trade relationship, and a very important two highly interwoven, economically interdependent economies.
1: La Chapelle says unless the U.S. enacts its own carbon pricing plan. Canadian exports could be at a disadvantage.
2: Overall, Canadian 55% of Canadians think Canada should hold off. The fear, he says, is to be too far out of step with the United States. So this is challenge number one for Trudeau. Signs
1: of forward movement are growing. For instance, a recent national survey shows that a majority of Republican voters support regulating CO2 as a pollutant. And locally, the Ann Arbor City Council voted unanimously to endorse federal carbon fee and dividend legislation. But will a groundswell across America urge their lawmakers to push forward such policies? The world, including the Canadians, will be watching. In the Green Room, I'm Barbara Lucas, 891 WEMU News.
0: The Green Room is a monthly presentation heard only on 891 WEMU FM and WEMU HD 1 Ypsilanti.